0: Hey everybody, this is Eric Upchurch, COO, co-founder of Active Duty Passive Income. If you want to learn about real estate investing, please listen, like, subscribe, review my friend, Sam Newell's podcast, Recession-Proof Real
1: Estate. Welcome to the Recession-Proof Real Estate Investing Podcast. I'm Sam Newell, your host, and it is my goal to educate you on how to make profitable, low-risk real estate investments that will cash flow through any economy. I interview the top real estate investors and entrepreneurs in the country to find out what they have learned and implemented since the 2008 recession. With over 10 years in real estate investing, it has become my goal to help others invest for double-digit returns, but to also stay safe and not get caught in the next downturn. Tune in and become recession-proof. So what's new for you? What's going on with, with Eric Upchurch? Man, we got a lot
0: going on and I got to say, first off, are we going to go? Are we, are we live? Are we going to go do this thing
1: right now? Hey, it's recording? recording. I just like to kind of ease our way into this. Yeah, so. I like that.
0: And honestly, where I wanted to start was just saying thanks. I, when I, we, we've only kind of known each other through the real estate world for not that long, right? The first time I saw you in person, I think was at that golf, the golf course, the meetup, uh, the meetup yeah, down in LA. Yeah. And and to be honest, I was kind of starstruck initially just because I had seen you around and, and heard you and I knew who you were through, you know, the, the kind of network. I was like, oh, there's Sam. Holy cow, I want I gotta go and say hi. And it's funny because, you know, I understand also that you're just a guy like me and, and whatever, but when you see somebody that you've seen you've you've met kind of virtually or seen around, getting around doing the right things and things that you want to do it's, it's still like, what do I say? You know, <laughs> I want to hold my hands.
1: <laughs> what doing? Exaggerating, but, but
0: yeah, I love what you're doing. And, you know, I see you as somebody who is doing kind of what we preach to, to our community also, which is just get out there and take action and help people along the way. Right. I mean, yeah. so, you know, thanks for being part of that. And we're obviously in a mastermind together now and, you know, I think we're both doing good things for people. So,
1: Absolutely. You guys are doing huge things. And, you know, it's funny because I listened to what you talked about at at the Mastermind Group, and you're actually helping individuals with, you know, and that's maybe something we can talk about a little bit is, you know, these these veterans who have issues and someone said you actually saved their life, which is huge. I have friends that are in the healing waters, which is very similar. They take veterans with PTSD or who have lost something and and take them fly fishing, which is what I love to do. And yeah, it's awesome. Um, and I think a lot of people can give money and, and that's an easy way out to say that I gave back, you know, is giving some money. When it gets personal, it's so much more real. And that's something I want to teach to my kids, you know, is actually make it personal. Help yeah. someone's life. Um, giving money is important because there are people and organizations that really utilize that money well, but actually touch someone's life. That's, that's a whole nother level.
0: Yeah, I mean that. You know, you saw me up there talking and and getting a little emotional about it. And I actually called it beforehand because you know I do get emotional about it when we talk about not just changing lives but saving lives. It's a it's a very I mean that talk about you know in the military community. It is it is great to help others financially and learn kind of that some of the things that we're doing and how to do it. And but the real reward and we realized this just a couple months ago really with what we're doing uh, that's new um, is that we can do something a little bit greater, which is to, to actually set, help save lives. So that was a touching moment. And that was, you know, we've only been doing, I guess what we're talking about here, guys, just to be
1: open about it. So you yeah, tell it, tell us exactly what the organization is and, yeah. and what you're doing.
0: So our company is active duty, passive income. solely focused on financial freedom for those who serve, whether you're active duty or a veteran. And we wrote a book called military house hacking, that Rod Cleef actually wrote the, um, the forward to, which is which is pretty neat. That launched last November and kind of propelled us. And we didn't do this as a as any kind of money making thing. Uh, making money in books is uh, pretty tough, I think, these days. But but it certainly put us as uh, kind of an SME or subject matter expert in the military real estate investing niche. We'd also had a, a single family real estate investing course, and that's kind of our platform for active duty passive income. It's the education piece, right? So. Now people are coming to us kind of out of the woodwork because we're in this space and we're kind of known as the leaders in this space now. And we have a lot of opportunities. And so moving, let me just get right to what I was, what I was going to talk about, which is a new initiative called ADPI. We're known as ADPI active duty, passive income, the ADPI helps is an acronym helping everyone live post stress. So and I, I, I'm passionate about this, it, and all it really is right now is a, it's a group of veterans and active duty guys and gals who get together once a month and on a Zoom call, and this is all free stuff. And we're not even a nonprofit. We don't even take donations. It's just free stuff, right? It's just, we're just trying to get people to progress in life and transition from the military to civilian, or if there are civilian, uh, transition and just keep moving forward without getting into all the complicated things that vets can So ADPI Helps is a monthly Zoom call for PTSD and addiction. People who have or are suffering from PTSD and or addiction, drug issues or whatever it is. And those two kind of can coincide. And I'll talk about that if you want. But Mm -hmm. um, so the fourth Wednesday of every month, we have a free Zoom call where everyone just kind of gets to see each other. People can be anonymous too. We have people just who like to leave their screen blacked out. Sure. and and they put an anonymous username in there and that's totally fine but they're listening and they're kind of in, able to engage just auditorily just through you know just listen and sit there and and kind of realize that they're not alone and so that's thats has an impact we have a new blog series called API helps save one life blog series mm-hmm. where our members are um, our members just being anyone active duty or military they're able to submit a, a blog article talking about their experience. My mom actually just wrote one for us coming from a parent's perspective when her son went to combat five times. And so anybody can really write in and submit and that can also be anonymous, but it's I felt when I was going through therapy at the VA that writing down my experiences was really it was just so therapeutic. And I didn't think when I left the military, I didn't think I had any problems at all. I I left a a high op tempo operation tempo unit uh, in special operations field, and I loved what I did. And I, I, when I ETS or uh, terminated my service, I was back in the San Francisco Bay Area looking at homeless people, kind of you know, going, "Man, that guy probably didn't know that this was coming." So, so how did he get here? You know, and I started kind of talking to some vets whenever I could and walking around San Francisco. And then just in the Bay Area in general and going, man, do I, could this be me in 20 years? Like, am I going to be a homeless vet? And I didn't want to, I didn't want, I, I knew my wife and my kids deserved better than that. And so that's what kind of got me to go to the VA and just see, I didn't know. I didn't feel like I had any issues. You know, when I got to the VA, I ended up spending fast forward three years. I had gone through prolonged exposure therapy and cognitive processing therapy and cried and, you know, I wrote everything out and, you know, just, just learned about survivor's guilt and just these things that I thought were ridiculous, but, but really impact had a great impact on me. And so anyway, now ADPI helps. We have a private Voxer channel. I don't know if you guys use use Voxer.
1: Yeah. I don't use it a lot, but
0: yeah, it's a great app. So man, we use that a lot just internally for the ADPI team, but it's, you know, if somebody gives us their Voxer username, we'll add them to this. ADPI helps channel and and we communicate in there and give uplifting things for the day and and we can talk through scenarios and you can be anonymous in there too. So that's kind of neat. And it's just like a walkie talkie style uh, way to communicate. And we have members in Iraq and Afghanistan and kind of all over the world deployed who can all talk to us in one central location on that app. So Wow. Um, that's pretty neat. So, yeah, we're getting a few things going. We have people asking about doing ADPI helps meetups across the country, which they're welcome to do. But it's really just a couple months in, and we're excited about that. So,
1: Well, it's a couple months in, and you're already you know, having people say, hey, you saved my life. And, and that's huge. I mean, that's, you're really making a difference. And there's probably a lot more who haven't said that and who maybe haven't saved their life, but you've absolutely helped to change their life. Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of potential for sure. Very cool. And and you know what you said something profound that I don't know people maybe recognized it, but you went into the hospital not thinking you had an issue. Right. You got ended up getting treatment, and you know it's interesting. And this is more on a personal development level. I have always gone to my coaches and said, Hey, what am I missing? What where can I improve? Because it's really hard to self reflect and recognize your downfalls or your weaknesses or maybe your issues that you that you have and and you and I are part of a mastermind group and I've paid for Rod Cleef coaching and I've paid for you know thousands of thousands of dollars yeah. of coaching specifically because I don't want to be that guy that homeless vet in 20 years where yeah. I didn't take the time to or take the painful route of learning where I need to improve and and it's, it probably wasn't fun at times. I'm guessing those three years of therapy, there's probably some times you, you didn't want to go in and, but just self-improvement in, in general is what helps people become extremely successful. So I'm, I'm glad you, you actually, I mean, what made you decide to go into the hospital? I'm curious. Well,
0: yeah. And so it, that was almost, it wasn't even really a self-reflection in that case. It was, I, I was looking at my family and just going, I, I don't want to be, I don't want to be, I don't end up, being that guy on, you know, homeless yeah. on the street, he, he, you know, it starts out, and I'll talk about this a little bit because this is really, and whether or not we talk about real estate is on the side, I guess, but <laughs> we can get there. Yeah. Um, man, so this, it all kind of started when I, when I called into Grant Cardone's Monday show, and I talked to him about uh, veteran suicide. I've very bar- friends who have committed suicide while in service, and. And it's still happening quite a bit in just the the people that I know. In fact, last week I had to, this is a tough one. I had to completely dissociate myself with a, one of my best friends who has PTSD and alcohol problems. Oh no. Um, But I fully, I I just said, you know, it's been years of late night phone calls and, you know, just he, I've seen, I've seen alcoholism take over his life and destroy his first marriage um, destroy his close relationships and now it's affecting ours and I just said you know I can't I can't do it anymore because it's gonna start affecting my life and I can't do that so for the same reasons I'm still doing that with, with people in my in my inner circle I was looking at who is it gonna affect if I start uh, hurting people and, and in this case when I first went to the VA it was my family I don't want my wife I want to lose my wife I don't want to lose my kids and I don't want to be homeless certainly so it, what's it going to hurt to go and talk to a psychiatrist one time? And then that one time became a, uh, whoa, she just told me some things that I didn't even feel like, what is that? I'm I am known at, in our, in our company and at ADPI as like the even keel. My wife calls me the even keel guy. Also, I don't have a lot of emotion. I'm very direct, very straightforward. And, you know, I think that that works very well. So for me to go, it, it works very well in the business world. It doesn't work so well with with, you know intimate relationships all the time, but it's something I'm constantly working on. And this is part of post-traumatic growth also, people. There's PTSD, there's post-traumatic stress disorder, and there's also post-traumatic growth, which is what we're really focusing on here now. So anyway, I just wanted to to make sure that my – it wasn't self-reflection. It was I need to make sure my family is going to be okay and that I'm still a part of my family. So for anybody out there who's struggling with – you know leaving the service or is planning to leave the service even if you think you don't have any problems you may end up with issues later on that affect the people around you so I would urge you to connect with like-minded people who have gone through it or connect with the VA and just see just make sure you owe it to the people around you and your family and friends who knew you years before your service and during your service to go have that checked out so
1: you know, that that's huge. And something I learned from my coach, and, and I love that we're on this topic, but I've been paying a real estate coach $1,000 a month for, I think, nine years now. Yes. And and it's helped me make money, but it's really helped me make a huge, huge gains, leaps and bounds in my personal development. You know, my, my personality sucked when I got into real estate. Sure. I, I was successful. I made money, but there's so many things against me that maybe I didn't treat people properly or you know, and there's just lots of room to improve, but the best, the single best exercise, and it's the most painful, but I would encourage the listeners and, and you and, and everyone, you know, to maybe try this out, but ask three friends, three close friends to write you an email and just list off the two or three things that they absolutely either can't stand about you or wish that you'd improve. And I, I think I had 10 people do it. I had my broker, some of my fellow real estate agents, my wife, my real estate coach, I'll do that. And it was really painful. It was it was rough. Yeah. And there was things I felt like I knew that I needed to improve, but it was eye opening and and it was really fun to work on those things. For me, I just love improvement. I'm always asking my friends, my business partners, hey, what can I do to do a better job? What can I do to not necessarily make more money or do more deals but what how can i treat you better or yeah. and my wife and i do that all the time and that's why i feel like we have a good marriage but yeah ask a few people to to write you an email and the and the the caveat there is or the rule is you cannot respond yeah i was going to i was going to ask you,
0: you it. because there're probably a lot of things on there where you're like wait 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 hold on a second i do that because you asked me to do that. that yeah or whatever so Interesting. Yeah. I like that. That's a great exercise. A great
1: point. You know, and and I had someone ask me to do it and it turned it backfired big time. So I rarely do it for people now because it is painful and it's embarrassing. And usually people get pretty ticked off if you're honest with them. So uh, do some self-reflection. If you're able to be honest with yourself or allow other people to be honest with you, it's, uh, it helps a ton.
0: I also, you know, you, you, you mentioned another thing, which is, uh, which is coaching and I, I am at a stage in my life too. And I've been only in multifamily really for 18 months. And and I'm at the point now where I'm paying tens of thousands of dollars a year on coaching and masterminds and all this other stuff because it's, and I'm finding it's when you, when you commit to it, it and you're actually not somebody who buys a coaching program and does it like half ass. When you're committed to it, those people around you're adding value to those people and it propels your career. It, it, like I don't mean to make that sound cliche, but the things I learned just in the last mastermind we were at can save tens of thousands of dollars, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars, over a couple of years. And now we, there's resources and people involved in our right. life that are just that will save shave ten years off of your investing career as well. So yeah, making that making that inner circle. Grow, but in a smart way. That's what to me. That's what those masterminds. That's what paying for coaching is. You think Michael Phelps has a coach? I'm mean, like, like, just gonna bring that up. 19 gold. I don't know. Has, he's got a, a million gold medals, right? And yeah. and he, I think he has more gold medals than like 61 countries combined or something. <laughs> so, but he's got coaches, right? If, if if the top athletes in the NFL have coaches, and you're pick your favorite athlete or successful person out there. They have coaches. They're paying for coaching to be better in the field that they want to be. Even if you have talent, like I may have talent. I may have talent, like I'm reading right now, um, Networking with the Affluent. I'm about to start this book. And it's, you know, I love networking. I love talking to people. I love trying to add value to somebody and, and listening because people like inherently tell you kind of what their pains are, you know. Right. And if you're really listening, if you're intentional about listening to that, mm-hmm. you can then add value to them and, and maybe not give them advice because not everyone, sometimes people just want to talk, right. but if you can figure out a way to work in something that you've done to help them, out, adding value in this industry is crazy important. So yeah. no matter what group you're in, mastermind or small coaching group or local meetup or whatever it is, trying to add value, which is what you just said, trying to add value to the people around you and it's not about the money at that point. You're able to change lives, and people value your presence, so.
1: Yeah, and, and you have to educate yourself, and and that's the thing that, you know, when I took a step back from my business last year, I said, you know, I, I'm making great money as a realtor, and I'm investing, and, and this is all fun. It's, you know, more than I ever expected or wished for, but is this the right value for my clients? My clients trust me with hundreds of thousands, and sometimes millions of dollars. Mm. And are these fourplexes I'm building the best deal for them? What if the market crashes? And and it's hard to take a step back when you've hit, you're kind of, you're doing well, you know? And, but I did and, and I could have easily teamed up with a new team and built more fourplexes. I didn't feel like that was the best deal. And what I'm doing now is so much harder than building fourplexes. It's so much harder, you know, my first fourplex community in Boise, I sold out in about a month and a half, $35 million project, 67 four, it was easy, just because people love that stuff, because it's there's so many people talking about buying duplexes and fourplexes. Yeah. But if you actually look at the downturn, look at the numbers and study who really did the best, it was the people that owned multifamily. So, So instead of building more fourplexes this year, my goal has been to help my investors transition out of single family and duplexes and fourplexes into these large multifamily deals. And I think I'm adding value, but I would never be anywhere close to writing offers like we just did today on a deal without the coaching. And, and you know, you're so, you're so accurate. I wanted to compare a couple. I like the NBA. I don't know if you watch basketball, but can you think of, you know, some some Michael Jordans, LeBrons. We can always think of the good examples of people that had coaches. Tim Grover was their personal trainer. Michael Jordan paid Tim Grover to only train him until he retired. Tim Grover wasn't allowed to train anybody else. Now he's trained, you know, LeBron, Dwayne Wade, Kobe, all the big stars. Sure. And then you have Allen Iverson. How did Allen finish his career? You know, you have the famous practice. You know, he's talking about practice and he finished overseas, and he's broke. Or right. let's take Carmelo Anthony. The almost absolute clone to LeBron James does not allow himself to be coached, does not pay for extra coaching. LeBron pays Tim Grover to to take care of him and rehab him and help train him and, and to get better. LeBron's the most dominant player I've ever seen in the NBA other than Shaq uh, physically and and just winning as well. So You have his almost exact clone 6'8", 260 pound Carmelo Anthony with the same skill set, who's never won a championship, never will. And he can't get a contract right now because he won't hire a coach or allow himself to be coached. And he's probably known also
0: as a guy who refuses to pay for coaching, which, you know, it's a small world in the NBA and and coincide that with, with multifamily. It's a small world in the multifamily arena. The industry that we are in is a small world. You bump into people, uh, you build your you build your reputation, and you've got to sleep in that bed every night.
1: And so that's why I mean we're kind of maybe eventually in this talk, this call we'll talk about multifamily, but <laughs> I really like that you're focused on helping others because you know I'm a firm believer. Zig Ziglar was absolutely right when he said you can have anything you want if you help another enough other people get what they want. Yeah, and for me when I'm advertising to these these clients or going up against other syndicators other realtors it's really easy for me to see to see through what they're pitching and most of the time I think my clients can as well they can see someone really chasing a commission chasing an acquisition fee versus you know what we're not going to do this deal and here's why or here's a good deal it's not as sexy as these other guys are advertising but I'm looking out for your best interest long-term, not just a quick, get rich quick. So tell me a little bit about what you're seeing in that realm. This is the name of the podcast is recession proof real estate investing, but you've been in this 18 months. You've probably had a lot of deals sent your way by brokers. You're competing with other syndicators. Yeah. Um, What are you seeing that maybe it's not a team play? It's, it's not looking out for others. I mean, have you seen any, any examples of that?
0: You know, but I'll just say it. Our, you have to go through a lot more deals now to get one that, that works. And, and yeah, you know, we are syndicating. Well, actually, we're under contract on an 80 unit right now. And it's um, nice. It's uh, and, and I just found out today that we have a 71 pad mobile home park also that we're that we're coming back to. This is actually just I literally just got a text a, a little bit ago. But we had this one under contract, a 71 pad uh, mobile home park under contract three months ago. Mm-hmm. And it fell fell out from through some disclosures and some other stuff. And now we got it at a hundred thousand dollar discount because we waited <laughs> we waited three three months. Nice. So anyway, anyways, totally got sidetracked there. But so yeah, we're we're doing some syndication JB also. And it, to me it's just I don't focus on the stuff that you know that other people are doing as much. I just know that for us it's we have to protect the people that, you know, our constituents basically are all of our brothers and sisters in arms. You know, the people, so we, we you know, while you were saying your last statement, I was thinking about kind of what we did initially was we built a community first, the Active Duty Passive Income community and our podcast and our 4,000 member Facebook group, which is a, a small amount right now, 4,000, but everyone, it's a closed Facebook group. Everyone has to be vetted to get in. Yeah. So, so through that community, we have built this inherent trust and through you know the military niche military and veteran niche there is that bond of of things that we've been through and seen and done and everyone's been through basic training at very least and you know a large portion of people nowadays have been deployed into combat so so there is that inherent trust so for us it's we have this community that we are we are the community we are completely related to this community on a very deep and real like blood, sweat and tears level. So for us, our primary concern is service. It was during our service, but it doesn't have to end after we get out. And so that's kind of what ADPI is focused on is just continuing to build rapport, momentum and service for this great community. So yeah, I mean, we have to, as far as recession proof goes, we want to have a recession-proof community as well. So the things that we are doing, the actions that we are taking, we're also able to help others implement, and we are a very conservative group of people, people that are inherently not risk-takers because our lives are risky as they are. So, right. so for a lot of people to, to venture into the real estate world is a scary thing, but if it's veterans teaching veterans how they do it, while they're active duty. I mean, one of our, one of our team members... Adam LaBar was stationed in Japan, and he's active duty, and he bought a 62 unit in the States while he was overseas. Wow. So people telling me that you can't do it now, and you, it's too competitive, and I, those are just excuses, and I get it. There are a lot of factors, but you can do this. You just have to make sure that you're learning, networking, adding value, and taking action every single day, and then you can do it the right way. So kind of full circle too, like looking for a lot of, de- looking through a lot of deals to
1: get one, right? That's huge right now. It, it's it's exciting to jump on a deal. It's, it's not like 2012, 2011. When I, yeah. when I started flipping homes in 2010, you know, you could look at 10 and probably nine of them were, were good deals. You know, yeah. that's the crazy, crazy thing. And how are you finding your deals now? It's tough. We're cold calling brokers. I personally... I cold call property owners in Boise and in, in Salt Lake I'm licensed a licensed realtor in both areas um, talking to property managers literally just trying to talk to anyone in the industry so it's it's tough but but we're looking and, and I think that's the thing that your listeners you know you provide huge value they really need to understand is conservatism I think can be appreciated a little bit more in your group because like you said you have a risky lifestyle high stress business that you're in, in the business of military. And it takes a long time, hundreds of deals to find those few good ones to do. And so I really respect that. And, and that, those are the type of people I like to associate with that understand this is a long play. You have to put in a lot of work yes. to, to make this work. And I've been you know, looking for deals for one year now. So built my fourplexes, got out last July of that. I've been looking for deals to syndicate since then. I helped raise money on a few deals of, that other people found, but personally, I haven't felt comfortable with anything I found. And so we've written offers, but we won't come up on price, you know, and- Good, good for you. So things. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. But tell me about your veterans though, because I feel like, I don't know what a veteran makes. I don't know what you make while you're in the military. My brother-in-law was a Marine for four, you, four and four and a half five right. years. I would imagine it's similar to police officers, which I think all of you should be paid more. I was pulled over on my way to the office today and I don't, I respect police officers. I think they're great. I think they should get paid more, you know, because yeah. it's a high stress job. I did a ride along in December with my brother-in-law and we responded to a murder and, and a shooting and that's high, high stress. And, you know, the people that are saving, you know, five, 10% of their income when it's only 40, 50, 60, 70, 80,000 a year, it's even more important to them to find someone like you who isn't excited to just do a deal no matter what, isn't excited just to throw their money at a deal because, mm-hmm. because you want to get a commission. So talk to me about what kind of metrics you have in place to make sure these people and their hard in, earned income are, are protected.
0: Yeah. I mean, so right now, well, first of all, I'll just answer your question. When I was a, I was a staff sergeant in the army and um, making You know, approximately forty-two thousand dollars a year or something. And you know, imagine, imagine, imagine going to this is kind of a weird thing to even think about now, looking back. But imagine going to a combat theater, whether or not you're actually in combat or not. You're in a you know an area where mortars are launching and whatever, and you're sitting there making forty grand a year. Yeah. And then you come back to the states. So I was in Georgia my entire career. In the military and my wife's from California so that, that brought us back to the San Francisco Bay Area and my eyes I'm an Iowa kid originally so in my eyes when I came back to, to California uh, with my wife to live here I was like well and this is 2011 my eyes were like oh my gosh wide open because how are we going to afford a $40,000 I mean, thankfully we went through the Dave Ramsey get out of money debt snowball thing in 2007 right yeah. but we were smart with our money, but I wasn't making enough money to afford a five hundred thousand dollar, you know, duet in in a suburb of San Jose, right? Yeah. At the time. And thankfully I had the VA loan. And this is something we talk about extensively in our book, but the VA loan allowed me to put zero down, no PMI, get it on that property. Two years later were six eighty-nine, sold it and did that two or three more times. And that's how I kind of built up my, my working capital. But awesome. yeah, so it's hard. So I want to say this, it's, it's that, and I got a sidetrack there, but it's to say that I didn't have a lot of money when I left the service and a lot of people who leave don't, and they're either counting on a retirement, which by the way is ridiculously low. Anyway, you may, maybe you make three grand a month for the rest of your life. If you bust your back and knees for 20 years, mm-hmm. um, and there's no, the financial literacy of the military, not to their, not, it's not their fault, but they're just not, people in the military are not taught about financial literacy by and large, right? Right. So, so the money that I had um, saved went into coaching. I went to a single family fix and flip a seminar, got roped into the whole thing, the hook, line and sinker, you know. 25 grand of like really, really hard-earned money, right? Mm-hmm. And ended up making quite a bit more from that, not from the process they taught, but from the people I met at right. that event um, that I kept in touch with and, and there's a long story there. But so, so that money, so now protecting, as far as protecting and, and helping recession-proof to keep on, on topic, our constituents, our members, right now we're investing only with our team and uh, this is our first adpi capital as our as our company and this is our first uh, apartment syndication it actually may look like a JV because we have found quite a quite a network of investors and we may not actually have to raise money for this one so pretty neat there but down the road, we're going to be keeping to those principles of this sucker better cash flow at like sixty percent you know <laughs> economic yeah. occupancy or something you know. Yeah. And because when the market shifts, I'm owning, I'm going to own a, a a great asset that, you know, people need a tangible asset and you have the five pillars of real estate and all the things that you get out of ownership of, of a piece of real estate. But we're going to do it to make sure that it, it, there's enough meat on the bone. And that may take a thousand, you know, underwrite a thousand deals to get one, but we're just not going
1: to take that risk otherwise. So that's awesome, man. I love it. You know, I have a good friend, his name's McKay Vowles. He was in the Marine Corps, uh, still, I don't know what he's doing. He, he's, uh, he's a paramedic now, but you know, he's helped a lot of veterans and, and active duty as well, house hack, and yeah. use that, that amazing VA option to, to put nothing down. I do have a question, do, do you still have closing costs when you do a VA loan? I've actually never helped in nine Let's, years of real estate.
0: Never you never helped
1: me out a VA loan?
0: So yeah, let me, let me explain this real quick. So our book, by the way, is free. On our website so anybody who wants it just go to our website and yeah, we'll uh, put a link up perfect so it's called military house hacking and so here's the general principle so to answer your question quickly yes you do have to pay closing costs mm-hmm. uh, but you can roll them in so okay here's a scenario private joe snuffy and mm-hmm. buys a well let's say maybe he's an e4 or something so maybe not a private but as soon as you can live off post mm-hmm. or off your installation and you're not in the barracks anymore Say you want to buy a best case scenario. You want to buy a fourplex and we have people doing this. Yeah. Buy, a, buy a fourplex with a VA loan, zero down, zero PMI, mortgage insurance, right? So you're not paying extra because you have less than 20% down Right, benefit to the VA loan. There's a VA rehab loan, which I'm not an expert on, but I know that if you have basic repairs, maybe some flooring or some stair rails or you know, basic things to make the property livable. You can use a VA rehab loan as well to coincide with the VA loan above and beyond that. So say you, and this is an owner occupied loan. This is not an investor loan. Right. It does allow a, from one to four units. So if you can buy a fourplex, live in one unit, and there's a stipulation you have to move in within 60 days. There is no stipulation on how long you have to live in that. Although a lot of people use kind of a, year and a day. I don't know where that came from. That's what I particularly stayed to. I just was like, well, if I live in it for a year, that's no one to occupy. I'm living it. I moved in, lived with my family, everything. So there, but there's nobody saying how long you actually have to live in it to this point. So, so what you're doing here is you're living in one, you're renting out the other three units, you're improving one and maybe you live in it for longer and you can move from, from one unit to the next and, and improve those as well. You know, uh, doing some some light renovations. Either way, along the path, your your uh, tenants are paying down your mortgage and you're maybe living rent-free and cash-flowing. As soon as you get your loan-to-value down to a point where you can refinance to a conventional loan, you mm-hmm. refinance that sucker, maybe it's two years. Which you is finance that right? 20%, but there's other, other variables in there. USAA, I think, will even do an 85% um, LTV. And some other things so and
1: here in utah you can do a 10 percent not yes. occupied so
0: so say you yeah and so so you can do there's options out there and let's say you did have to pay pmi on a refi or just some whatever some random scenario where you had to pay a little extra remember you have other Can you? Have, when you move out there's four tenants paying you cash flow cash every month right so you can actually factor in pmi if that is something that, that allows you to get out and refinance it but anyway, that maybe wouldn't apply, but either way, I'm just saying, there's a lot of flexibility there. Right. So then you, so you refinance it to conventional loan and then you go to your next to a next property. If it's your next duty station, uh, wherever you're stationed in the military, you move or maybe it's just across town. Maybe it's part of what you wanted to do was buy a fourplex and then move to another part of town and buy another fourplex or maybe it's next door. Right. And then you buy that one with zero down, no PMI, you move into the sucker, you renovate it, and you just repeat that process. You could easily have 10 fourplexes that you put no money into in a twenty-year twenty-year span. That's in huge. The, in the military.
1: So my my friend McKay Vals, I think he has 28 doors. Well, that that's probably old. He probably has more than that now. And he's done exactly that. And I love mm-hmm. it. And I now that I think about it, I have had a few clients do VA loans, but never the house hacking for an investment property, which which bums me out because it's an amazing vehicle to buy these investment properties. Now it's, it's harder, you know. It's, it's not as fun as buying a sexy new town home or a new house that you can live in. Yeah. But I, I've made pretty darn good money and I've never bought a house for myself until this year we're buying our first house for us. We've always lived in a flip or we've always lived in a duplex yeah. or something that the end goal was never for us to live in long term. The house hack is a lifestyle choice. It sucks. And,
0: and it maybe, maybe it work. does suck, but you have to in it. So, for me, live in flipping was my house hack in the Bay Area. Yep. I was living in the thing either for I had a combination of one was one was full market appreciation, it was a beautiful first place to buy, didn't need any work. Uh-huh. Second one was a combination of market appreciation and forced, and the third one was all forced appreciation, but in a nice neighborhood. And So, but, so just depends on what your situation is. If you're buying a single family and your house hack is, and this applies to military people also, Mm -hmm. if you're buying a single family off base, can you add two or three of your buddies to pay you? And they're getting a basic allowance for housing check every month as well. Can, can they pay Assuming you rent. You're
1: single and your or your wife's okay with it right? or your
0: wife's okay and so there's where the sacrifices come if you have a wife who's like yeah if we can cash flow this sucker let's do it you know then yeah. never 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 get rid of her first off right. second second of all i mean if um if you're single why would you not do that you don't need a two or three bedroom place if you can cash flow it or just live for free why wouldn't you do that
1: absolutely
0: so it is all about what sacrifices you're willing to do and at this point I live in a beautiful house in California now, but I was of the mindset and still kind of am that we should continue to rent. But my wife wanted a place to to kind of settle down this time. And I said, okay, that's fine. But guess what I did on closing? Simultaneous HELOC because I can use that money to buy properties elsewhere. So that's huge. Yeah.
1: Well, and I would even take it a step further. If you're going to house hack, you need a really good resource in that area. So a realtor that's willing to help you run numbers and know if it's a good deal, which are few and far between most realtors chasing commissions. I'm a realtor, so I can talk bad about us.
0: Let me, uh, I'm a realtor in California also, but not, I don't act, I don't buy and sell houses in California. I just did that for my own, for my own property. We were moving around. But let me talk about that for a second. So as far as real estate agents go, ADPI has uh, something called the Intercore coalition now, which is a referral network of agents you're passing warm and qualified leads off to agents across the country. So they end up with us, we vet them. They have to be military or veteran. And we are through, just through our, our community, we're getting a lot of leads every month. We send them to our trusted military lender uh, that we know and work very closely with. They get qualified or they even can get helped out with, you know, debt or credit issues if they have those. And then they get handed off to agents across the country. So Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty neat thing and no commissions. We don't take a commission or anything from the agent. So that's a pretty cool thing too. And that's growing relatively quickly.
1: You know, I just had an idea while you were talking, you know, what would be really cool is, and I would do this all day long with, with someone that's trying to house hack. And I've offered it to clients, never a veteran. I don't, I haven't worked with a lot of vets or, or active duties, but I've offered this to clients in the past and they've never taken me up on it. But You know, if I'm gonna get a 3% commission on, let's say it's a $300,000 purchase, that's nine grand. That nine grand can go a long way. And I imagine there may be investor minded realtors out there that would be willing to roll that commission into some of the rehab or into closing costs or into whatever needs to happen to make that duplex, fourplex a rentable. I I would do it all day long. If someone else is gonna be living in it, managing it, doing the work, you know, that's an extra 10 grand that could go a long way for the rehab because a yeah. lot of the times, you know, these, my buyers, whether they're veterans or not, or active duty or not, that extra rehab is, is kind of hard to do because it's extra money that they have to come up with. Yeah. Um, so I wonder if there's realtors that would be willing to throw their commission in and and just be a tiny partner on the deal. And yeah, say more
0: like a JV? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I would do that all day long. That'd be amazing. That'd yeah. be fun. So, I mean, that's essentially what you do in syndication, right? You don't need to get a big paycheck up front. You're doing a deal to create these partnerships that are win-win down the road. So m- maybe not a lot of realtors would look at that because most of them are chasing commissions. But I know I would, and there's probably a number, you know, I don't know how we find them, but yeah. something to look at, I think.
0: That, that probably comes down to the relationship, right? If you have, if you have an agent that you had a really good relationship with and pitch it to oh. them, I'm sure, I'm sure that could work out really well. Yeah, but you're right though. I mean, most real estate agents are just are retail, right? It's like, okay, go, let's get this one done and on to the next one and I mean, yep. right? So you're trying to put, you know, food on your table. So, right. But, right. but there are certainly some investor-friendly uh, real estate agents out there that are harder to find in the single-family world, for sure, but
1: absolutely. Well, cool. So, I love what you're doing there. I love the advice. I, you know, my brother-in-law is a, a, a veteran and I'm, he's thinking about moving and I'm like, Hey dude, buy a duplex, buy a fourplex. I'll help yeah. you do everything. You do. And, and he doesn't want to, I don't blame him. I wouldn't, I, I haven't loved living in duplexes and fourplexes, but what, you know, what are the biggest barriers to entry? I think one is the fear of just having crappy tenants and being a landlord. It sucks. You don't want to get calls. Yeah clogged toilets. Um, I think there's ways ways we can mitigate that risk and the nastiness of being a landlord. But what do you see, Eric? Is or why do people not house hack and not take advantage?
0: Uh, the biggest barrier to entry: two things. One is mindset. Two is lack of education. So mindset is understanding that this is not a get rich quick thing. This is you're investing in real estate. I was just talking to somebody today about this. You're always going to have a toilet that breaks. You're always going to have a crack in the foundation. You're always going to have a a leaky roof. These are physical assets with real humans and dogs and kids in them. Things are moving. There's mechanical components. There's things that have wear and tear. You just have to realize that and let it happen. And if you're not focused on the month to month, I lost 300 bucks this month. This is crap. I'm going to sell this place. If you're in, if you have that mentality going in, you're setting yourself up for failure. Right. If you have the mentality that if I hold on to this thing for 10, 20, 30 years, this could pay for my kids' college. That is that is anyone who bought real estate 30 years ago will tell you that that still owns that piece of property. Right. I'm glad I held on to it. We had a, a lawsuit back in 1978, and it almost broke me. And not no but guess what i sold this or i refinanced it and it paid for my kids college yep so mindset is number one and then lack of education i'd say i mean we have a ton of free resources we have a, a free va loan mastery course free 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 we have so much free stuff uh to give out to veterans uh, to learn i'm sure your brother-in-law would uh was your brother-in-law it's yep. okay so i'm sure your brother-in-law could you know take advantage of reading our book and the loan course and you know we've got just so many resources now for people just don't even care if they're paying or not it's free resources for people to help and the other it's just you have to get past not knowing what a house hack is you have to get past maybe it's maybe it's just adding maybe it's a, a duplex or maybe it's maybe your house hack is a single family but you put you go to Home Depot and you buy a storage shed and you allow people to store their things on your property in the storage shed, yep. you know, whatever it is, there's so many different things that you can do to house hack. It doesn't have to be having tenants right next to you. Yeah, you know?
1: That's huge. So, that's huge. You know, it, it's funny. We're talking about house hacking and, and that's basically when you move into a property for those that don't know, right. it's when you move into a property to flip it or to turn it into a rental. So basically you're using your ability to own or occupy a property to obtain in the long run, a an investment property and my wife and I, I don't know if you saw the picture, but we just put a checkup on the fridge for one of our last house hacks and we put, I think we put like 15 grand into it and we just got 92 at closing and it cash flowed and, and made us another about 10 grand as we had it rented out. So yeah. we're over a six figure paycheck and that's only in four years. Yep. The one that we're closing on in two weeks that we also house hacked. It was a nicer house. And we're also making six figures on that one. So, you know, the things that you and I are talking about—it's not get rich quick. it it was a lot of work, but you can hit home runs. My goal is just to hit doubles. I want to hit a double every time. Absolutely. Um, but going back to why people don't get into this, my coach and I, and and kind of what we talk about is—it's all about approach and expectations. When when Eric, when you're in the military and you have a mission. You're not saying, well, you know, we could fail. It's going to suck. I don't know. You guys have a plan. You know exactly how you're going to execute it. And your expectation is to win. I mean, yeah. that's how you approach every mission. I'm guessing. Don't let me put words in your mouth.
0: Yeah, that's correct.
1: So real estate can be the same thing. Your approach is to to win. And all you have to do is prepare the right way. So that's why it's. I think it's so huge that people reach out to you. I'm more than welcome, more than happy to have people give me a call and then help them analyze deals in Utah or, or Idaho or anywhere for that matter. But just have the right, right expectations that it's not going to be fun, but you can win big. And it's a little bit of a sacrifice, but at the end of the day, you can have fantastic results. I have two properties, one for Liam, my son, who's almost two years old, that'll be paid off by the time he goes to college. The other one's for my daughter. They'll be paid off by the time she's in college. And and my approach is every time I have a sink to go fix or a leaky faucet, you know, a toilet back up that the kid threw, five pairs of his mom's underwear in there. You know, my 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 thought process is different. I'm not thinking, oh, this sucks. I'm thinking, man, Heidi's going to go to school for free. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: Liam's going to go to school for free. He's going to manage it. They're going to start managing it when they're 13, 14. You bet, uh, but yeah, that, that's my expectations and, and my approach to owning these properties is not that it sucks. It's the worst thing ever. It's what's the end goal. And every time I have something come up, that's what I think about.
0: Absolutely. That's, uh, that's part of the mindset of it, thinking of a long-term return.
1: So in California, it's, I mean, that's a, that's a crazy market. It's, I was just out there um, in San Jose. Mm-hmm. It's hard to buy a property that'll cash flow. So where are you guys looking for deals right now? You mentioned you have a couple under contract. Not in
0: California. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, I, I live here uh, by default, but I, all of my investments are other than my personal res- residences that I've that I've flipped are all out of state. So right now we are pretty largely in Indiana. The ADPI Capital team, the mobile home park, and the apartment complex, those are in Indiana. So, but we're we're looking in Georgia and Texas and Tennessee and Kentucky and. But only because we have people or systems, things there that make sense for us to do that. We're not just kind of all over the place, you know?
1: Right, right. So. Well, and, and so those are markets where you can still get a good deal. You know, there's jobs going to Georgia. Yeah. Indiana is kind of just one of those markets that just stays pretty, yeah. pretty even keel. You know, a lot of people feel like we're close to the next recession. Where do you think we're at in the cycle?
0: I think we're, well, I mean, it's, to me, it was, I'm looking at California and realizing that it's flattened out quite a bit. Real estate sales are not as hot as they were. And I guess I'm just referencing the single family kind of retail sales. But if any indication, we're, we're nearing the crest. And, but we have a volatile kind of, you know, economic system right now and our government is volatile and it's, to me, I don't know. There's no, there's no, Chris, we could have 10 years of growth. I mean, I look at projects in the Bay area right now where Google is investing $10 billion into a new project, you know, yep. new housing project in the, on the peninsula. So, and that's a seven year commitment that they're making, that things are going to be skyrocketing. And then, then you look at all these companies like Netflix that are leaving the Bay area to go to Austin, Texas, because right. it's Ridiculously expensive and, and overtaxed in California and all these other regulatory things. So, you know, I don't know. I just think that as long as you're doing, your, doing what works for you and making sure that your numbers work, you have to stress test your properties as if it is a recession. So right. maybe here's a, maybe a little tip. Look at the historical. You're trying to get any kind of historic uh, facts or figures on the property that you're looking at and underwriting to see how it performed in 2008. And that's maybe tough, but if it performed in 2000 or 2010, if in 2010, it was still cash flowing or it didn't, maybe just it didn't go through a bankruptcy in 2010, then you maybe know it was cash flowing at 80% economic occupancy. And if that's the case, um, we have something else like that happen, you know you can still pay your investors or your partner, whatever and weather that storm. So that's why I think we're talking about just Recession proofing is really just making sure that you're stress testing your properties that you're buying now and finding now so that when the next thing happens, you're ready for it. And honestly, I can, I missed the boat in 2010 when you were flipping houses. Mm-hmm. I was still in the military. I didn't really start any of this until 2014. So I caught it kind of on the upswing, but didn't really know I couldn't flip in the San Jose market anyway. Right. So I'm doing what I could, but I am ready. I'm educated, I have coaching in place, I have teams in place, I cannot wait, I hate to say it this way, but I cannot wait to be a part of the next downturn you if it happens because I know what to do now.
1: Yep, absolutely. I've been telling my wife, I felt like we missed the boat as well because we did a few flips, but the people that did really well were buying big multifamily deals yeah. in the downturn from people that were panicking and hadn't stress test and, yeah. You know, it's funny and we need to end soon, but you know, stress testing is is so huge. In Boise and Salt Lake, the two markets where I'm a licensed realtor and I'm building apartment complexes and buying complexes, the market went down by average of 7% is all. Vacancy didn't really go up above 5% and 7% in, in some areas and rents didn't really go down. And that's on a market average as far, if we look at multifamily, and mm-hmm. this is what's huge, multifamily didn't really change because everyone that built these nice big houses that lost them needed a place to stay and they needed a three bedroom, two bath condo.
0: That's why we love this this asset class.
1: Yep, absolutely. Well, hey, last last thing from you, we're gonna list all of your, your website, your email, anything that you want listed, your free book. My Instagram. Your Instagram. <laughs> You you provide huge amounts of of value to your people in your network, and I really want people to reach out to you. What's the last thing you can say about that, and and what's the best way to really take advantage of ADPI and and Eric Upchurch?
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, I think anyone who knows us or is willing to get to know us will find quickly that our main focus is service. It always has been as we were serving. Three of our our founders are still active duty and um, still serving, but we're interested in serving everyone in the military community, both in and out. And we'll continue to do that relentlessly. We will never back down. We will never fail because we will never quit. And I just want to tell everybody to reach out. We're completely available. We have tons of free resources, and uh, we want to help because if we achieved it and we are still achieving it, it's also for you, and you deserve it.
1: Absolutely, they do deserve it I, and I just want to say thank you for your service. I mean, I appreciate you and everyone else that serves uh, fun fact about me I was set to go to the Air Force Academy before I left on my mormon mission mm-hmm. um, had everything done with my you know local congressman and and uh, supposed to fly f 16s I got back and for whatever reason I had a change of heart Then I entered the um, ROTC when I was at BYU and then I broke my shoulder, took a break, so I've always regretted not being in the service. Both my grandpa's fought in World War II. So I I have a huge amount of respect for, for those that have served and really appreciate everything you guys sacrificed to be in the service. Appreciate it.